Michelle Pfeiffer, that white gold. This one for them hood girls, them good girls, straight masterpieces. This is Top Ten Thursdays with Sean Lemmy. John Honey. And Colin Westman. I like to make things a little more formal when we do these uh, broad, sort of almost unranked shows. Not Um, almost, they literally are unranked. (laughs) Well, I was thinking uh, when we do the Miley Please Awards, there's we pick a number one, even though we don't. At least there's rank a best. It. Yeah, we don't even have that. We're on not this even gonna one. have that for this one. Should we do a worst for this? <laughs> worst <laughs> of our favorite things. Worst of the thing. It's like we like it, but eh, we'll never talk about it I again after this. this. <laughs> All right. So we're this is our top stuff. Of 2015 so far. It's getting to the end of June, and June is the sixth month, and there are 12 months in a year, and 12 divided by 2 is 6. Therefore, we are approximately halfway through the year. Although, I don't know if you do an actual day count where the actual middle day of the year is. I don't think it matters. Yeah, you have to be a math magician to do that. (laughs) What if that's our only fan? (laughs) I don't feel like much of our content would appeal to him. (laughs) We're not a very math-based group. Except for Sean. He's pretty good. He knows what half of 12 is. That's my claim to fame. (laughs) I can divide small, even numbers. Um... So let's just get into it, and we're just going to talk about the stuff that we've liked so far this year. Uh, this is our chance to pay homage, I guess, to the the stuff that probably will be forgotten by the time we do our best of the year list. Uh, but but help make you know January and February and some of those hard months at the beginning of the year livable, survivable. Yeah, it's hard out there, but now it's summer. Summer means fun. Thus, those hilarious lyrics I just read to Uptown Funk. <laughs> well, then. I, I guess we're starting off uh, a game that was very appropriate for those winter months Alto's Adventure, which, uh, you know, I don't play video games really, but I, I play them on my phone. I watch Sean play video games, I play vicariously through him sometimes since he's my roommate. But uh, Alto's Adventure is one that has been taking up a lot of my time. I guess because it's pretty much displaced my favorite iPhone game, which is Tiny Wings and Alto's Adventure. It's like basically Tiny Wings, but with snowboard tricks, which just makes it seem that much better. And, you know, looks nice. Very angular and colorful and pretty. And, uh... It's all about grinding. 
doing flips. This is why I don't talk about video no, games. It's, it's, that is. <laughs> you like I mean, it? it's, Tiny Wings was a fun game, and I, honestly, I think I prefer Tiny Wings to this. Tiny, Because I get kind of... With Tiny Wings, I felt like every run I was... My, my experience was changing a little bit. I feel like with Alto's Adventure, I'm basically doing the same thing over and over every time. I feel like I'm not getting better at that game. Yeah, that's true. The The great thing about Tidy Wings is, like, you do get better at it at a very sort of linear rate. Where, mm-hmm. like, I was playing it consistently for, like, about a year, and I just kept getting better. But I guess at this point, without those adventures, it's just about beating the challenges. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not really getting better, but still got and stuff to do in it. And you're clicking those coins, which aren't that meaningful like it, I don't feel like when you buy the bonuses it really changes much um, but it's it is pretty and it is fun and um, honestly my only real beef with the game is I feel like it's actually harder to play when it becomes night and so I wish yeah. they had an option to just make it day all the time because I kind of just waste those runs especially if you're like sitting in a place with lots of sunlight and you're playing it on your phone like you can't really make out what's going on there well but it's been good uh another game that we wanted to uh remember is duck game <laughs> I I, maybe we'll still be talking about it in december uh but duck game is out there trying to be like the mix of I've heard people say it's like mixing WarioWare with Smash Brothers into one game. And that is like, okay, those are my two favorite games, basically. <laughs> I'll take it. And uh, it's it's crazy fun. Basically, you just keep getting put in different arenas. Uh, you're playing as a duck. That's why it's duck game. Uh, and you get to choose all sorts of funny hats for your duck to wear. And every single level uh, you play has a, a different gimmick to it. And you have to go... You know, get the gun or the sword or the bombs or whatever it is um, to to kill off the other three players in the game. And of course, there are quirkier stuff than just different weapons. There's a level where you kind of you can swing around like Spider-Man, and there's a level with jetpacks and fun stuff like that. And it's been a pretty interesting experience so far. I we've yet to get four people together to really enjoy Duck Game, but uh, play it without me. Yeah, but it was only like once. Like, I'm glad Sean just described what the game was like because I literally forgot. You didn't get that from <laughs> I was like, you ducks, what's the thing? Oh, there's a different weapon every time. That's right. But it's not like it's not like Towerfall where the rounds can go really long. I feel like every round of Duck Game is immediately over, like WarioWare. Well, or, it might have had to do with the fact that it was just one on one. So it's like, well, there's only one guy to kill, and it's you. On that dark note, let's move to uh, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, which, um, to me, didn't feel too different from Monster Hunter 3. They added some new weapons. Uh, You move around from different towns instead of staying in the same town. Uh, But basically, it was just another excuse for everyone to grind up their Monster Hunter characters to the craziest gear imaginable, uh, which... I guess is something I'm into now. I feel so weird that I like the Monster Hunter games, but struggle to get into the Dark Souls games. Because I feel like people say the Monster Hunter games are harder to get into, but I was able to do it. I feel like the thing is with Monster Hunter is the main thing is fighting the monsters, but monsters take so long to kill. Dark Souls, as much as you may die, I feel like it's actually easier to kill things. Or at least 
not as time consuming? Well, then I don't know, because you die so much. They're different. I get that. But they're both like games where I feel like you have to do a lot of customization, keep building up your dude, yeah. training and grinding. I can't play games where it's like, oh, you gotta put in 40 hours and then, then you'll be smooth like sailing. <laughs> it's like 40 hours. Well, but the nice thing about Monster Hunter is that time is like literally just learning how to play the game. And mm-hmm. since I put that time in on Monster Hunter 3, I was able to just pick up Monster Hunter 4 and go and have fun. Um, I didn't play it as much as I thought I would, and I think that's because it's on the 3DS instead of the Wii U this time. I think those games are a much better fit on a home console. I don't understand why everyone in Japan prefers it uh, mobile, but it sounds like that's just where the franchise is going to be from now on. So I'm okay. I'll deal with it, I guess, because I like these games, and I want more of them, and they already announced a new one, which is kind of sad, because I feel like with a game that you're supposed to sink hundreds of hours into, that it should have a longer lifespan than a year, even. Uh, but, you know, people keep buying them. I feel like we're off to a really good start tonight because you keep like answering questions I'm about to ask. <laughs> like I was gonna ask, what platform is this on? And then you're like, well, it's weird that it's on DS. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, and I also feel like I'm sounding really down on this game, which I don't mean to. It's like I went out and bought a new 3DS because I wanted that stupid little analog nub. It's like the extra large. I already had the extra large. This is the. It's literally called the new 3DS. Extra large. Not double XL. Not double XL. <laughs> Although, if there was a double XL, I'd probably take it. Because the closer you get to a TV experience, the happier I'll be. Um, the 3D actually works pretty well in this game. I don't know if that was the case with Monster Hunter 3. Because, again, I think it's better on Wii U. But the 3D is pretty cool. I like 3D. I'm not opposed to it. What about 3 double D? Three double D. Oh. <laughs> the Odyssey. Three double D. Is that what it was? Banging your brains out. I don't know why I asked that question. Stupid. Yeah. You, want, you want to see something else that's kind of stupid? Because this game came out last year. Talk about Monument Valley. I guess because you're getting into it now, oh, John. Yeah. Now, it may sound like a boring national park. But no, it's a fun game. First of all, Monument Valley is a great national park. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> so, went into Starbucks, and I didn't know they had free games at Starbucks. They had like little slips you scan. So I had to pick one up. There's a bunch of cops in there, too, getting coffee. So and you're, like, suspicious. Is this a setup? <laughs> <laughs> is this a setup? Well, I get cop for shoplifting. I only bring that up because I just thought it was funny. There's all these cops and getting coffee. And then I always wondered, like, what happens when cops, like, are, like, ordering your meat or something, and then they have to, like, leave? And then it happens. Like, one guy's like, we're going to get the hell out of here. <laughs> and they all, like, rush out of the door, but one guy still hasn't got his coffee, so he's just, like, he's just, like, out of wait, <laughs> like, come on, God. And I'm just thinking, like, there's, like, an emergency going on. But he's waiting for his what coffee. What if you knew that you died because a cop was waiting <laughs> to get his coffee? Like, that was all your well, life. he paid for done. it. Like, if you think about it, like, put yourself Did in Did he pay for it? I think he did. One of the one of them definitely did, and they all got Americanos. It's very cop thing. None of them are getting like uh, I don't know what they have going on now. Which one's s'more is, frappuccino? Is Americano the one where it's just a, a load of milk in there? There isn't milk. I think it's just, it's like just plain coffee, espresso, and oh, water, espresso, basically. Yeah. <laughs> What's the one where there's a lot of milk? That sounds good. That's just a latte. Yeah, it's I guess. a latte. 
That's how much I know, okay. <laughs> but I got my coffee, and then I got this game, and it reminded me, I don't think I've ever played it, but isn't there a game for maybe PS3 or PlayStation that is a game where you do puzzles that play with perspective? Does that sound familiar, Sean? Kind of isn't more that what Fez is like? It's kind of, well, it is Fez like is Fez. It's kind of like that. This is a different uh, game. I know the game. It's even more. About. It's more bare bones in both of those games. Anyways, but this game is basically you're like a you're a princess, right? You know, white echo chrome, white hat, and white. I always assumed I was a male. I thought you were a princess. This ruins the game. For me. <laughs> <laughs> this ruins the game. Oh, sweet dude. <laughs> that was a guy wearing a dunce cap. No. <laughs> I thought I was a stupid man, not a lame lady. But you're solving these puzzles on these cool, like, temple-like stages. And the way it works is you revolve certain parts of the stage. Or there's, like, levers and gears. And... <laughs> what? I'm just looking at a picture. Not a picture. A picture. A picture. Of this game in a year. Like a it's like a dress hat. and a big princess hat. Yeah. You guys, neither of you guys knew it was a princess? I knew it was a princess. They say it in the dialogue to the game. <laughs> I don't read that shit. <laughs> but it's just a great puzzle game. I, I love I love the play. I don't even know how to explain it to the playing with perspective where like you a, turn the stage and then you see it at a different angle and then you can walk across that angle. Who's that guy that did the upside down stage Escher. paintings? Escher. Yeah. yeah. It's like playing that he, guy. He's so paintings. into it. He'd just be playing all day. That's a game. <laughs> Do you think if he is alive today, he'd design video games? Or would he be an MC? He'd, he'd design would he be this a rapper. Way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm MC Escher, so and I'm here to say perspective is totally perspective. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's very offensive. You could have rounded it with fresher. You went the low road. Um, Whatever. I'm, I wanted... I, I would have taken this off the list, uh... Except uh, House of Cards, this latest season of House of Cards, has a plot in it uh, that um, pairs our, our main character with a writer. And the reason that writer came to his attention is because he read his review of Monument Valley in, like, a, I don't know, a video game blog or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a weird instance of product placement. I mean, like a small-time iOS game in this Netflix TV show. Kevin Spacey has to talk about it. Like it was, it was a very surreal moment. I, I, for, I still like even when it's done well, which I'm not saying this is an instance of that. I still think it's really weird and uncomfortable to see video games in TV shows and movies. I think it's neat. Especially <laughs> if you haven't heard of it, you're like, no, I gotta play that. Yeah, I wonder if people realized that was a real game. <laughs> but I, there's, I have no, no one else watches that show. I couldn't. There's no one to check with. Uh, another one on our list is Splatoon. Do you get to spend some time with this one, Joe? Yeah, it's like Reverse Super Mario Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to paint everything, everything, and, and it's fun. And I love all the squid people and all the squid slang and all the other weird sea creature people. Like, Sea anemones and shrimps and the octopus people. And a cat. I'm pretty into the online gameplay, too. Mm-hmm. That's almost exclusively what I've played so far. Yeah, I mean, it's got its, like, story mode, but... Ah, there's just something more exciting about playing against people. 
I know what it's kind of fun. It's kind of Mario-ish. It's a, it basically plays like a platformer. I, I don't feel like the enemies are ever that challenging, no. though. Well, the boss fights are fun yeah. in the single player. It just it feels so much more competitive and exciting when you're playing against other people, but it totally mm-hmm. sucks when they're like super good or they have one of those giant paint rollers and they're just running around the ground. Because there's different paint. <laughs> you can't see it on Sean's face, but he's ashamed to admit that he uses the paint roller you're all the time. You're a paint roller player, Sean? Well, I've been working <laughs> it to move on from that, but I feel like any time I play with the gun, like... I get a high score, but I feel like I don't contribute that much to the game. But when I'm playing as the roller, I'm just covering the level. You can't attack from above, though. There's yeah. been so many times where there's stages that where there's like two levels, mm-hmm. and I'll see a paint roller, and I'll just start firing down at him, and there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, I will say, if you play in the ranked mode, you're an idiot to use the roller. Like you will just get fucked over completely. Yeah. I think every team needs a roller. Not, I would I would say maybe not in ranked, but in normal mode definitely. Not ranked, but in normal mode. Um, but yeah, ton of guns in that game. They've been putting out a lot of content. Uh, some a lot of new guns, a few new levels. The new levels don't even matter because every time I play, I get the skate park level. I can't not play on that level for some reason. Yeah, I hate it now. What's your favorite color of paint? <laughs> this is a serious question. <laughs> this is a serious question. <laughs> That definitely, like, when I start a match and I see what color I am, definitely makes me feel better. This is going to be a I good like. match. I'm going to go with orange. Okay. The wrong answer is yellow because it looks like cheese, and green because it looks like puke. I prefer pink because it looks like candy. It's like putting <laughs> bubblegum everywhere. Blue's pretty good, too. Orange is also acceptable, so... I'm trying to get that out there. I've been focused on spending all my money on buying new clothes instead of new weapons. And I'm worried that maybe they're, they're never, they're, I will never actually have all, all the clothes in my inventory. Do you think that's possible? Take all the clothes? That's all I want. I just want to have all the clothes. And get all the clothes. But what if there's unlimited clothes? <laughs> like they just keep releasing it? Yeah. Well, they'll probably always keep adding stuff to it. But you can be as up to date with it as you want if you really try. I want the samurai stuff. Then get the samurai stuff. It's so hard to get. It is hard to get, but it's worth it. Do you have the samurai stuff? No, I don't think so. What's your favorite weapon? I've already admitted I'm the crack on roller. Oh, I can't remember. It's one of like the kind of more machine gun type ones. It's like a lot of them. There's it's like smaller. I can't remember. What it Splattershot is. Junior, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I can't remember any of the names of the guns. Also, like the 52 Gal, not Cal, Gal. The only Gal. weapon I really hate is the the rocket launcher type thing. Like the one that you charge up, or is there a different one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Chargers are for people who are much better at that game <laughs> than I am. Uh, and the other video game I wanted to talk about was The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. Um, I had a really, really hard time getting into the first Witcher game. I kind of just gave up, um, I think, during the first or second act of that game and never came back. But The Witcher 2, I bought uh, with some of my graduation money when I graduated from Linfield College. And I had a wonderful time playing that game. So I was... Do you use your graduate school money to (laughs) buy this one? I sadly didn't get much graduate school money. just had all those student loads. Yeah, mostly I had... You got anti-money for that one. Yeah. (laughs) Digging myself out of that hole for a long time. Um, But a little... A little... 
little, I know, a little less than a year after I graduated from college again, came out a, a new Witcher game. Uh, and this one is a full-on open-world uh, RPG, you know, like, I don't know, Skyrim or, or Dragon Age or whatever the cool comparison is these days, where you play as this guy who just goes around the world killing monsters for money and having sex with ladies and... He's working on uh, reconnecting with his uh, former lover and uh, his long-lost daughter, who's like basically the world's equivalent of a superhero. Um, that's pretty sweet. I'm not super far into it. It's only been out for a month, and I've not beaten it. But I like it a lot so far, and I bet it will be on my list come December slash January. Does that have a bunch of doing it? It has a bunch of doing it. <laughs> that's all I really know. You know, you know what the disappointing <laughs> thing about the... The game, though, is um, you see a lot of boobs, yeah. but not only do you not see Geralt's dick, like, that's his name, Geralt, yeah. not only do you not see his dick, he doesn't have a dick. Like, his character model doesn't have a dick. What do you mean he doesn't have a dick? Like, he's like a Ken doll down there. Some well, what happens when, like... Well, the camera's always... Yeah, that's the thing. The, cam- the camera never shows it, and someone, like, modded the game to look at his naked model, and he doesn't even have a dick. And I feel like... If, if they're gonna say like this is a mature game that has sex like put a little dick yeah, in that's not fair we want strong and powerful schlongs like you can see his butt I guess consolation prize though <laughs> it's bullshit I'm not gonna play it because <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have modifications do you wanna play a game because it doesn't have enough dick in it it doesn't it's have not, any dick it just doesn't seem fair <laughs> if you're gonna show all of like a woman the all of a man all of like lots and lots of women yeah, doesn't seem fair. It's like one guy. Especially, like, this is a prodigious lover. He should have a big-ass dick. Everybody should... Way to go. It's like the Witcher 4 big-ass dick. Big-ass dick. <laughs> uh, shall we move on to talk about music? Yeah, yeah. Which so- I've been... Okay on music this year. Not not a ton of stuff I've been in love with, but there's been a few. I had a pretty good time. Sounds like it. Sounds like you've been having a better time than me. Yeah. And our first album is Sound and Color by Alabama Shakes, which I had the pleasure of hearing as a Barnes and Noble store play disc, so I can hear it basically like three times a day. And it's pretty it's pretty good. Uh, I always worry that it rocks too hard and that I'm going to be playing it. Especially there's this one song called The Greatest. It's not a worry I ever have. And I'm afraid that someone's going to come back and be like, Hey, this rocks rocks too much. (laughs) Turn down the rockin'. That guy sucks. More Kenny G Brazilian Nights. Which is another CD that I choose not to play. It it did not add to this list. It's like that character, that Twisted Sister video. Like, what but do you want to do with that your kid's life? dad? Yeah, <laughs> like if that guy walked into Barnes and Noble, you say that to me. You say that to you. Listening to rock and roll music but while no. walking. <laughs> but no, it's heavy. Brittany hired a great singer. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. I, th- I think people too often just like write them out like or say that they're just like some like old throwback to soul and R&B which I feel like is kind of bullshit that they're just saying that because she's black they're really more just a straight up rock band 
and they try some experimental stuff too. Like they they talk about their influences, and they're like, "Oh, we really like like Radiohead and Led Zeppelin." And though it doesn't always come through like on their tracks, you can hear like weird things in their music that I think is pretty unique, and I really enjoy. Like the first uh, song on the album, like it's pretty heavy on the xylophones. <laughs> like that's not a heavy rock instrument, at least not last time I checked. Times have changed. It's coming, it's coming back in a big way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've been kind of dismissive of them, but I don't really have any good reason to be. So I, I listened to this once, like, it was like a day or two ago, and I was like, I'd listen to this again. So I'll, I'll try to get into There's it. There's plenty more. of time to, like, catch up on, on them. They like two albums. Yeah. I think this is the better one of the two. Okay. It's pretty good. I think they had a song in Silver Linings Playbook, too. So. And uh, Don't Want to Fight. Off this album will be in Rock Band Four. <sighs> That's not rock so much. Sweet riff. So at least you will learn one of these songs called "When We Force You to Sing It." No. It's, it like opens with it's like the greatest like <laughs> squeal or scream. <laughs> My life. I mean, I can't do it. I'm gonna have to do it at some point, but it's not gonna sound good. <laughs> what about Courtney Barnett? Oh, I'm all about Courtney Barnett. Uh, she, I like her lyrics a lot. You, you can even tell that she has a deft, sort of charming touch with her lyrics just from the title of this album, which is Sometimes I Sit and Think and Sometimes I Just Sit. And I don't know. It's like the sound of her band isn't super original or anything. It's kind of just like straight up alternative rock with like a sort of lazy easiness to it, but. She's she's got personality, and that usually makes up for a lot, especially nowadays. Of which, in uh, most indie rock music, it's hard. It's hard to find an original voice, and I feel like I, I get that from Courtney Barnett. And I even even bought it on vinyl, even though it was a debut album. But I was just like, I know, I know this is gonna be good because I had heard her EP, which was really good even though it's a little long <laughs> which is weird for an EP because it was a double EP but I like it what, what kind of music is it? it's pretty it's alternative? yeah it's just right. like alternative rock music but Courtney's such a jazz name so I just had to check <laughs> Courtney's a jazz name <laughs> she's Australian not Courtney Barnett isn't that jazz name who am I thinking of? Famous jazz musician has a similar name. With who? With what? Courtney or Barnett? I don't know. I was hoping so that would be enough to trigger someone it's else's memory. Like Ornette Coleman? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's probably. I guess that's that, probably. I guess that kind of sounds like Courtney Barnett. You switch the letters around a bit, like a lot actually. <laughs> I think he uh, just died a week or two ago. Yeah. Did he get to listen to this album? I don't know. He had an opportunity. He had a few months. Did he see his them? dying months? It's I don't just know. Me? It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's also a song on here that's like less rockin' than most of the stuff on here called "Depressedin," which is probably like my favorite song of the year. So much. It's just like really laid back, and it's just about her <laughs> just describing like going to see some house that she's thinking about renting, and she just picks up on all the little details and. It's nice. It's easy to listen to over and over again. What was the song? Depreston. Let's like do even her even her song titles are fun. Like there's 
the single is called Pedestrian at Best, and yeah, good with words. Just saying, that's something we should include in our favorite songs of the year at some point. Just saying, it's right. a fun thing. A whole podcast where we just do one. Hmm. Man, it yeah. takes five yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes there is, a, you know, an album that I'll love, but it's really because there's just one song I like, and yeah. the rest is... My favorite song right now is embarrassing. You guys know Action Bronson? Yeah. He does that Baby Blue song. I don't think I've heard it. No, well, <laughs> pretty into it, though I, yeah, I just don't like him. And the album's okay. He seems like an idiot. just can't get behind him. <laughs> That's too bad. I didn't put him on here. Though that album was okay. Uh, so about- FFS, yeah. that's like a thing between Franz Ferdinand and some other Sparks band. That was Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> or for fuck's sake, right? <laughs> FFS, man. What you gonna do? So this year, kind of picking up on where I left off last year, I've been listening to uh, podcasts a lot lately, and I also just listened to the complete, the, be- the best of the best show. Um, and my music listening has been suffering for that. And uh, so I, I, the albums I added onto this list are kind of just albums I've been getting into lately as I've been listening to music more now that I'm finally done with Sharpling and Worcester for a little bit <laughs> until I go see them live in a couple months. Um, so I listened to FFS earlier today in the car, and it was pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, it kind of sounded like... Um, a little more in the direction that Franz Ferdinand had kind of been going, like taking their sound and making it a little more electro poppy, uh, which is something I'm apparently always behind, which is weird, but I'm okay with it. Um, and it's making a good impression on me. And another album that is doing the same thing is In Color, uh, the solo debut from Jamie XX, the percussion guy from the XX. Slash porn star. I'm just saying that name's. <laughs> it's only two X's. <laughs> okay, it's slightly provocative. <laughs> this is this is someone from the XX. Mm-hmm. Is that why the XX is in there? Mm-hmm. Just to like remind people. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. I think that? they all have they've said that the like their last name was just yeah, XX, it's like Joey Ramone, I guess. Are, are there like their names in the band all end with XX? Is that like an unofficial thing? Actually, no, just Jamie XX. That's mm-hmm. Romy Madly Croft and Oliver. Okay, so that's always like been his his name or yeah, like his, his stage label. name. Yeah. Okay, that's not just something like I'm gonna go solo, but I want people to know that I'm part of the <laughs> XX. Well, it looks like his real name is Jamie. It's like if Eddie Vedder's like I'm Eddie Pearl Dre. Just a pretty good name. <laughs> Well, his musical career began when he joined the XX. According to Wikipedia, America's most trusted source for uh, British band history <laughs> reports. <laughs> um, but In Color does not really sound like a, an XX album. It is kind of like house music, I guess. It's weird and surprising to me that I like it. Um, it's hot as fire. You guys should check it out. Maybe. You might be surprised. Just like I'm surprised that we're talking about Kendrick Lamar's, I assume, latest album, which has a bad name, To Pimp a Butterfly? Is that, is that supposed to be like a metaphor? Like, pimp out something that's beautiful and should definitely not be pimped out? 
That sounds right. I think, yeah, sure. It's not really addressed. He's not trying to sell bug sex. I'm not sure who is. You know, I don't really like butterflies. I hate to admit it, but I'm way more into caterpillars. Is <laughs> this like a character? Are you, are you serious? <laughs> It's like too fuzzy. It's like I liked him before he was cool. <laughs> People like going into a butterfly room. No one wants to go into a caterpillar room. It'd just be all fuzzy. Like, think of all the potential. She'll just be like itchy. Yeah, be like, I hope they don't crawl on me. Ugh. Well, what isn't that the point of going into the caterpillar room that you want them to crawl on you? I guess, yeah, but not like all over. You don't want to be engulfed in caterpillars. It's not a couple. It's a couple on your finger. Yeah, it's a little guy in your finger. Uh, this album. Took a while for me to get into. It was one of those ones where I just felt obligated because it's been really critically acclaimed and also pretty popular too. Um, and I get it. It's it. It just feels like the sound of Black America right now. It's just got all these different influences of just all kinds of black music. Really, it's just like jazz and R and B and soul and of course hip hop all thrown into one thing and it's uh again it was a lot to take in because there's just a lot of shit going on on this album and it's like 75 minutes long so it took me a while to lock into it but I get it it's 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 really cool anyways I'm not much good at talking about hip hop <laughs> I don't listen to that much of it but I do enjoy any time a really good important hip hop album comes out and I can get into it Did you ever check this one out? I remember you had interest when a guy came into Barnes and Noble. And well, no, he called. It. He called the store. Uh, he's like, "Do you have uh, the new Kendrick Lamar?" I'm like, um, "I'm not sure. What's it called?" Because I didn't know there was. An, I did. I knew nothing about it. It's like, um, he's like kind of embarrassed to pimp a butterfly, and I were just laughing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me check. Oh, sorry, not out yet. To pimp a butterfly. No one wants to say that over the phone. <laughs> Maybe because like he's with his kids or something, and then they heard him. That guy's a cool dad. Cool dad. Is this album? Would you recommend this album for cool dads? Uh, sure. Yeah. But only like the coolest dad. You gotta be a pretty cool dad, though. You gotta get it. If you're not gonna get on its level, don't even bother, dad. Go back to your Kenny G Brazilian nights. Yeah. Pop that it's a scene. hard fall for cool dad. <laughs> cool dad to smooth dad. <laughs> Let's talk another about another uh, a group of people. I assume are all smooth dads. Maybe, maybe more rugged dads. Rugged <laughs> dad. My morning jacket. The yeah. waterfall. It is the waterfall. Now I heard that they're working on like. A whole bunch of material when they were recording, uh, whenever they were recording recently, which kind of made me disappointed because I was wondering, like, because they're they're doing they're doing two albums, they're another one coming out next year, so it makes you wonder: should they be doing two albums, or they should all concentrate that on one great album? Because there are moments on the waterfall like this is pretty good, this is really sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having trouble remembering the individual songs. <laughs> it's kind of blurred together now, but I mean, it's the same. My morning jacket, we've always loved um that is kind of the cool thing about this album though that it's actually 
the songs kind of flow into each other since they're actually going for a similar sound where uh, I feel like the last couple My Morning Jacket album they're just like we're gonna try something crazy on each song it's gonna be different it's not really gonna meld together that seamlessly but on this one they, they kind of try to go for that and it's cool I liked it more than their last album I actually think I liked their last one more but oh. I like yeah. this one too I like, I like it all I feel like this album learned a lot from Jim James' solo album that he did. Oh, yeah. Um, weird. He it brings a lot of that like spirituality to this album, which I guess they're probably okay with since he's the main songwriter. So he can probably do what he wants. Um, and I, I like Colin. I've been enjoying this a lot more than Circuital. That was the last. Beast one. Wars. Or, was that? No, you're right. Before that. Beast I just Wars. I just Beast Wars <laughs> cause the cover looks like a Beast Wars character's eye or like a cause, cause s- special device one of them would carry it's like an eye that has like a robotic robotic eyelids is that what it is that's what it looks like I never really like discerned it as like an actual thing you I'm didn't look like, at I, I didn't look at it right, that closely I'm just like that's just I an object I thought this was an eye I'm going to look this up Circuital Whatever the hell that means. Does anyone know what that means? It's like something that goes in a circle, I guess. Oh. It's like circular. Not like building robots? Doesn't that look like an eye? Does that do with circuits? Maybe maybe it's not supposed to be an eye, but it looks like a Beast Wars eye. I just don't know. It looks like one of those Simon games. (laughs) I think their album covers suck. Anyone's okay. For the most part, yeah. <laughs> they do kind of suck. It's one with the bear. We've had this conversation before on this podcast. Mm, that one kind of sucks. <laughs> it's like it's kind of cool, but in a stupid way. Yeah. Evil Urge is pretty bad. Yeah. Fat guy shadow. <laughs> Fat guy of the opera. <laughs> He's lurking. But yeah, I wonder what the next one will sound like. The next My Morning Jacket album is it? Is it just gonna be a lot of the same? I wonder if they really divide up the material, so it's like the next one's gonna be like really different, really weird, all highly suspicious type songs. <laughs> That's kind of the excitement of Iron Jacket, though. Is you're not really sure what they're gonna pull out. They haven't really been sticking to one sound, you know, consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a cool band. I just hope. I'm, a, I'm sometimes I'm afraid. Like when I was listening to this album, I was like. Are their best years definitely behind them? Are they, are they ever going to release a great album again? I don't Probably really not. Think so, Maybe. But that's okay. It happens to everybody. I know. Band. I know what happens to everybody, but it's it's sad when you start to realize, like, oh man, they're probably never going to release a great one again. Oh. It's hard that it's like not our dad's favorite bands anymore, but now it's our favorite bands are getting to that point. Yeah. It's like Radiohead's probably well past their best years. It's I don't know. I don't know about Radiohead though. He's Radiohead. Did you example. hear the King of Limbs? Well, it was one album, and it wasn't terrible. It was but look how great right. the one before that was, and then consider how long they've been around. Well, yeah, but they took, like, a decade to do that one. Well, they're taking a while now. <laughs> I hope so. We'll see. We'll get back to that. I feel like there are lots of bands that are capable of surprising you deep into their career, like one we'll be talking about in a little bit. Smashmouth. Smashmouth, yes. <laughs> the new album, it's... It's cool to be cool by Smash <laughs> Yeah, but the second one is spelled K E W. 
I think John right now is looking up what their latest album is called. Didn't the Smash Mouth guy get in trouble? I don't know. I haven't had an album uh, in like three years. Yeah, three years ago they released Magic, which is a terrible album cover. It's a my, nice like Microsoft Office clip art font. Yeah. No, recently the Smash Mouth guy got a like some loaves of bread thrown at him in the middle of a concert. He got like super pissed off, which he should have. He had every right to get pissed off. Who throws a loaf of bread? Just doing some research on Smash Mouth. Sean? I'm going to tell you a little bit about Amongst the Men. And the deal with them is that they made an album that I didn't realize was them at first, that I enjoyed a lot. And then they put out a second album this year. And it's okay, but I just keep listening to it like some sort of drug addict. <laughs> so put it on the list for now. Is it, an album when you say is it, it in the same way that you enjoyed the first one? Where I feel like with that album you really loved it, but you're almost kind of like apologizing for it every time you mentioned how much you like it because it's like so attuned to your sensibilities that you couldn't help but like it. Sweet Icelandic man. No, I think it's it's more sophisticated music. Like they, they did the thing that a lot of bands I like, where they like do one first album that's fun, and then for some reason they decide to do a second one that's a lot more sad. I don't know why. Um, like I don't think there's they have a, a, a single song on this album that makes you as happy as three or four of the songs from their first album. So I don't know. I just can't turn it off. Just gets beneath your skin, because yeah, that's the name of the album. It's beneath the skin, not under the skin. That's that Scott Johansson movie. Thanks for clarifying. This is true. You want to move on? <laughs> sure. All right. Uh, another album I bought on vinyl because I knew it would be good. Because pretty much every Slater Kenny album has been good, even though it's been ten years since their last one, but. Now this one's great. Uh, so like compact and straight to the point. Not a second is wasted on this album. It's like thirty-two minutes, and every second of it just fucking rocks. And it has a immediacy to it. And these ladies just sound so vital and awesome. And I saw them live. Uh, the tickets sold out immediately, but I was like, eh, I'll, I'll I'll do it. I'll go on StubHub and pay the extra money and I'm so glad I did because they're amazing and awesome and just isn't inspiring to see people like that still doing it after all these years and bringing it yeah that Bob's Burger music video yeah that was cool that's, that's what made me listen to the album <laughs> like I'll give it a shot so doing did, did it pay off? yeah like it? it was pretty good a good time yeah, I have nothing else to add. Just rocking. It's a good time. We got to see Carrie throw out the first pitch at the Mariners game. And they didn't give her a ball, so she had to mime throwing the first pitch. But then they did give her a ball. True so, story. Crisis averted. Did they make jokes at the, at the show in between songs? Mm, sort of. Not really. The most interesting thing was that uh, Janet Weiss, the drummer, had like her own cheering section. Like there were like <laughs> ten people that all had these black T-shirts that just said Janet fucking Weiss on their <laughs> shirts. And then like Carrie explained that like these guys have been like following them around <laughs> on multiple tour dates. I was like, that's good. It's good. 
Up next is Sufjan, who I got to go see. Mm-hmm. And that's been my favorite album of the year. I don't think there's ever been a time where my favorite album I also got to see performed live in its entirety. But really, he did the whole album. He did the whole album. What's interesting, though, what's really cool about him doing it live is he doesn't do it exactly how he does it on the album, which is mostly just him on acoustic guitar, like in hotel rooms, like recording on his phone and stuff. Like, he'd add in, like, drums and electronic flourishes that were really cool, and it almost made the album better, but it was just kind of, like, a different take on it. But it was, like, so sad, too. That album's really sad, because it's just about his struggles with, like, his mom and her dying and, like, kind of the mental issues that she had and the struggles of him growing up. And so it was, like, an oddly sad show, too, and an oddly sad album, but it's also, there's just something uplifting about it at the same time this is just this is someone's life and this is they've been through all this and talking about the beauty and the and the pain and, and it was, it, i really got i got to see him too just it really makes me appreciate him more and he tells like really like he he probably played like the whole album and then talked for like 10 minutes just about like all sorts of stuff just like faith and just joking around too he's really funny and then he played some older songs too played chicago but there wasn't any drums on that one. Kind of a weird choice. Did it like acoustic style? Are there drums on? I guess there are. Yeah, that's like a full. There's everything on that song. There's everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's flugelhorn. <laughs> but yeah, it's it a great show, and I like the album a lot. And I think I'll just continue to grow with that and enjoy it. Make it part of yourself. Myself. I just can't get into this one. I don't know why. It's too sad. It, maybe it's too sad. It's just like a, a bad album for this guy. This time of year where it's sunny, summer. I don't know. It. So I guess it sort of goes against what always attracted me to Sufjan Stevens, which I liked. That he went for these big, ambitious projects, and this one's smaller and quieter. And just doesn't have the same effect on me as what I liked about his earlier work. I don't know why. And that, and that uh, kind of touches on my problem with Carrie Mole, which is on most of these Sufjan albums, he does a lot of different things. Like, if you listen to one song on the album and another one, they might feel like they're from totally different albums because he'll explore different ways to play music on the same album, uh, which I think is really cool. Uh, but here, it's it's more... Unified, which is a fine approach, and clearly it works for John. Yeah, it's like he did the he just did like the same song over and over again. But if you don't really respond to that one song, it's, it's kind of hard and to I, get it's into. Definitely more sophisticated than just like the, the same song. I'm not yeah. saying it's literally the same song. It's just like the same style of song. <laughs> I mean, for for me, it's about it's it's about the stories because these are these are real stories, too. Mm-hmm. like. I remember people like like laughing like at some parts because they're funny because there's like a lyric about like how he had a pool instructor that couldn't say his name and called him Subaru <laughs> and people laughing at that part. I'm sure there's other parts where people are like crying. Like I was tearing up on one song. So I think they're just it's just, it's just like great stories accompanied by like uh, acoustic guitars and I can understand like how you're saying like they sound kind of similar because 
There's only so much you can do in an acoustic guitar. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, my favorite Sufjan song is Impossible Soul, which is a half an hour, and it's basically like six different songs in one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep trying. I want to get it. He did play one song from the Ids, Age of Ids, Age of Age Ads. Ads, whatever it is, Vesuvius. Right. For you to like that. Yeah. That was for you, Sean. Oh, and Adam got this great t-shirt that says Souf Jam Fever in Saturday Night Fever font. It's weird how, like, he's, like, really funny and has all this funny merchandise, but then he's, like, super... His songs are, like, super serious. <laughs> really weird contrast. Which I'm yeah. sure you'd say the same for Agent Carter. Uh, the no. TV I probably wouldn't say that about Agent Carter. Um, Agent Carter is just about a lady in post-World War II, post-superhero America. Ah, yes. From the history books. <laughs> Ripped from the pages of your favorite history book. Uh, dealing with the, you know, the beginnings of supervillainy uh, in, the, in the form of, like... Uh, the Black Widow program and other Soviet hijinks and Hydra nonsense. Uh, but even if you don't care about like that, the the tie into the Marvel universe, which is pretty tenuous, I don't think much of this is really going to affect those movies at all, and it certainly doesn't have much of an influence on Agents of Shield and Daredevil. Um, it's mainly just like the the, the latest in a pretty small series of TV shows about kick-ass women kicking ass. And I've been kind of looking for more of that ever since I finished watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer last year, and uh, this one this one fit the bill. And of course, as you know, the ultimate Marvel sucker, I, I was already committed with the, with the tie-in nature of it, but um, I think Peggy Carter is maybe the best character in the Marvel Universe right now and you know with everyone complaining about how sexist Avengers 2 apparently is uh, I wish that they would pay more attention to Agent Carter which is like actually about sexism well you pretty much watch anything Marvel puts out at this point is there any lengths you I don't watch anything animated okay <laughs> but with but if, it, real... if, if it's under that Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. banner, yeah, I'll probably watch it. Okay. But you'll notice I didn't put Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on here, even though the second half of this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season was awesome, and the first half of this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season was okay. It didn't have the lows of season one. Um, yeah, I'll just say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finally has superheroes on it in the cast, so it's good now. But if we're talking about actually good versus Marvel good... <laughs> There's Better Call Saul, which I wasn't sure. I had actually forgotten if this was like last winter or this early this year, but it was February that Better Call Saul premiered. Um, and I was a little unsure of this idea until I actually saw the first episode. And from that point on, I've been all about Better Call Saul. And I think Paul has said that... <laughs> He thinks that first season of Better Call Saul is actually better than Breaking Bad was. Yeah, that's weird. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with it, but I see where he's coming from. It's it's the watching the 
beginning of the fall of um, his name isn't even Saul yet. It's uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Slipping Jimmy. Slipping Jimmy McGill. That's it. Um, has been really compelling, especially with you uh, seeing him almost get that job with the law firm and, and all the hijinks that tied into that. Um, it's, it's been a, a really fun show, and it, it definitely is different from Breaking Bad in, in a few ways, and just as good. Well, or at least almost as good. Yeah. I feel like people would definitely appreciate it more if, like, if Breaking Bad never existed and this was just a thing, mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be easier to appreciate it because... Every time I watch it, I I expect something really big to happen. Like, the stakes are getting high. Someone's going to die. It's not really that kind of show, but you can still feel so much of Breaking Bad th- flowing through its veins that you always kind of want it to get to something big. Um, but, I mean, that's okay. I think, overall, it's just a great, like, lawyer show. Because I, f- I feel like there's so many crappy, like... USA Network lawyer shows mm-hmm. where like I couldn't be more bored with what they're doing but this like I'm getting really interested in the cases and how they approach it and it feels and real like, there's like a long arc where they're putting together a class action lawsuit which should be well I guess there's that movie what's that movie Aaron Brockovich yeah that's about a class action lawsuit but uh besides that that should be like the most boring thing imaginable especially because it's a retirement home that he's doing a class action lawsuit for but it's really exciting to see Jimmy like putting together a real case you know because his life sucks uh, also for Breaking Bad fans they did that one episode that filled in Mike's backstory which was awesome like, it's, it's one of my favorite one. TV show episodes this year I would like to see Saul like move ahead like a little faster mm-hmm. he didn't even become Saul yet yeah I feel like that that was kind of what they were getting to with the season finale episode where mm-hmm. it went from like he was about to go on the path of I don't know necessarily good but because it's a giant evil law firm but he breaks bad basically and I think it's gonna snowball from there probably it is nice watching like a show where the character is like you know he's gonna end up getting kind of like sleazy but he's still always, will always be morally good at the center I think whereas Walter White was just kind of descended into, I don't know if I'd say evil, but pretty co- pretty close to evil, semi-evil, mostly evil. Mostly evil. <laughs> I mean, you know, even though, like, in Breaking Bad, Saul would protect him and help him, you always kind of felt like he's a good guy. Like, heart. Saul was mostly doing it because he was scared. Yeah. So I like having a character in this universe that I can actually feel good about. <laughs> it's also nice to see a show that's kind of freed from the burden of plot because you know where it's going mm-hmm. and so it can just make it all about characterization. Yeah. I love flashbacks and flashing ahead to getting glimpses of things and not getting the full explanation just getting bits and pieces. Just getting bits and pieces just like that show Catfish where people have just a little bit of information to make all their decisions. <laughs> I like that. Do you guys know the concept of this show? <laughs> I, I saw the Catfish the movie. Okay. This is on MTV? It is on MTV. Okay. It's an MTV show. <laughs> Basically, Catfish, yeah, it's based off the movie. It stars Neve Shulman, who was also in the movie. Did they ever come out one way or the other on the movie, on what and whether it was real or not? Not really. No? The show, I'm not even sure what's... I mean, I, I think the thing about Catfish... So basically, to explain Catfish, 
It's it's a show where they meet people who are like, oh, I'm in this online relationship, but the person won't meet me. I try to do Skype chat. They can't do that. So then they do a bunch of investigating. They take they find their Facebook profile. They take their picture. They put it on like Google image search, and sometimes they find it. And you know, sometimes they'll find the person is like not. Well, it's almost always not who they expect. It's a couple times where it's exactly who they expect. It'll be like undercover fat person or just like their friend who's mean and getting revenge on them or something. I want to see that show undercover. There fat is person. one. There's there's like one. My favorite episode of Catfish is there's this heavy set girl who was like editing her photos, but she's the one who's like, oh, but I just want to meet this really hot dude, and he's also a fat person. So they're nice. both they're both fat people trying to pretend they weren't. They're perfect for each other. They actually did end up like dating, so that was like such good a happy for them. And Neve's a pretty likable guy, and he's got his sidekick, Max, who wasn't in, like, most of the season because he was directing a Zac Efron movie. <laughs> he's, like, his co-host. Um, Wait, so this wasn't the first season? This is, like, season three oh or four. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually is fun watching this show. I mean, it's a guilty pleasure, definitely, but, like, Neve, like, when the show started out, he was just, like, really nice and helpful, but I feel like sometimes, like, he'll just get really annoyed by people. Like, one time, he's just talking to this guy, and he's, like, just being a di- dick to him, and like, on his phone, and then he just takes his phone and throws it into a river, and then the producer has to go, and say, you can't, that's, you can't take someone's phone and throw it into the river. It's funny when producers get on camera and yell at the people on the show. I mean, it still is a dumb MTV show, though, so, like, they'll have these crappy, like, montages with, like, Facebook, like, pictures, like, zooming in really close to them on the screen, and then playing, like... Just like would be out like alternative music, or they'll be, like get on the plane and be like quick montage and be playing like uh, who the kids are, like George Ezra. You guys know that guy? Nope. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you know, the guy's like Budapest. <laughs> that sounds a little familiar. Yeah. <laughs> just like lame alternative. <laughs> it's definitely a guilty pleasure though, and I don't know like how real it is. I think I heard somewhere that. The people who are catfishing are the people who actually contact the producers and, like, I want to finally come out on your show. So, like, the producers pretty much know how it's going to end in advance, which kind of takes out some of the mm. fun. But, I mean, I guess you'd have to do that because then, like, they just want to waste a bunch of money on a bunch of people trolling the show. But I don't think anyone needs to see it. <laughs> it's probably better than Teen Wolf, though, if we're talking about MTV shows. You're going to watch Scream the series? I'll probably check out Scream the series. <laughs> feel like I have an obligation to as a horror fan. And as a Marvel fan, Sean, you were obligated to watch Daredevil. And how did that work out? Yeah, it worked out so well. <laughs> Can I ask a question first? Yeah, I was wondering, you've watched a lot of horror movies. Have you ever seen a scene where someone, like, injects someone else with a needle, like, in the testicles? <laughs> have you seen that kind of scrotal torture? Have I seen scrotal torture? <laughs> yeah. What made you say that? This is something me and Sean were talking about yesterday. <laughs> I am sure it's out there, but I don't delve too deeply into torture porn. <laughs> that would have to be torture porn, yeah. wouldn't it? I bet there's something, there's this one movie that I haven't yet to check out that I know is super dark called A Serbian Film. I bet there's stuff like that in there. Okay. That has, like, a baby being born and then a guy... And the baby engaging in... Uh, don't even... It's know. puppets, but still, it's <laughs> the most fucking disgusting thing I've ever heard. Okay. Likely there's something like that on Daredevil. Okay. No, I mean, it gets kind of violent, but... That fight, that fight that everyone talks about in the second episode. I, I made it that far. Yeah, it's like uh, Old Boy, maybe. 
or basically other. like one long well, take. Yeah. And the way they did it is they kept switching out the main actor with the stunt guy, so they could just keep going yeah. and going. Yeah, he keeps like knocking people into rooms. You see, Colin, so that he can appear off screen and the stunt double can punch and kick his it's way. It's really cool. It's awesome. Okay. Um, so this gets back to Daredevil's roots. It's not as convoluted as that Daredevil movie was. I mean, it, it basically it does not... I, that never happened. There was no Daredevil movie, I guess, is the, is the stance of this show. Uh, it reboots the character and, and the universe uh, and brings in the legendary Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin. Uh, legendary. And he is by far... Like, Marvel can't get a good villain, and they got one on Daredevil, and yeah, but I guess the secret ingredient with villains is give them a bunch of screen time and eventually they can actually develop into characters <laughs> you care about. No. <laughs> uh, and also cast a great actor to play him. Um, but also the, the core Daredevil group of, of him and Foggy uh, played by that guy who looks like me in that one picture. <laughs> he looks like a, yeah, he's like a shorter you with blonde hair. Um, and the lady... <laughs> Whose name I can't remember. Uh, it's fun. Like the show actually kind of is also a, a fun lawyer show for a couple episodes before it delves into secret ninja clans and uh, the kingpin's criminal empire and kicking ass all the time. Um, but it, it was a, a real delight to watch, and uh, it was cool to see a superhero show that actually showed the toll of fighting crime every day, like. Matt Murdock's body is constantly fucked up because, like, he keeps fighting a bunch of people and getting beaten up. Even if he wins, he's still hurt. That's a cool thing to have. Also, the guy who plays Daredevil kind of reminds me of the of the guy who plays Will Graham on Hannibal. And the Daredevil opening credits are pretty much like a ripoff of yeah, the Hannibal they opening are credits. Stuff dripping and becoming shapes. It's a total ripoff. So I don't know. I guess this this. This show just knew exactly the things that I like and <laughs> manipulated me into enjoying it. They must have listened to our uh, podcast about like remakes we'd like to see. We were talking about how they should start Daredevil over again. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, just make it more like Batman. And they did it. They did it. <laughs> Will this show be like connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe at all? So what they're doing on Netflix... I don't are... know why I didn't ask. I don't really care. <laughs> I've heard you talk about Daredevil enough. <laughs> they're doing four shows. Someone might be interested. Uh, the next one will be, uh, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, about someone who gets kind of Superman-like superpowers... Uh, but then realizes she does, she's not a good superhero, and so she's out there helping other superheroes oh, as, a, as a regular person. And she's played by Kristen Ritter from Breaking Bad and oh, The in Apartment 23. So that'll be cool, too. And then they're going to do a couple more shows, one about Luke Cage, one about Iron Fist. And then they're going to tie those four shows together, uh, as well as doing a second season of Daredevil, in something called The Defenders, which is a similar team to The Avengers. Wait, wait, wait. They're not going to make it like the comics, though. I feel like the Defenders team is, like, pretty legit. The Defenders team I know as Doctor Strange, Hulk, Silver Surfer, and Submariner. They're not going to have any of those people. They're not going to have any of those people. (laughs) That sucks. But they will have Luke Cage. Yeah. Iron Fist. I hear Ryan Philippe wants to play him. That ain't going to happen. I think Iron Fist might be cool. (laughs) If they do it right, but... 
like they kind of tap into the cool ninja stuff in Daredevil. So, yeah. do you hear the rumors that they're trying to get Jason Statham to be Bullseye? No way. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. He'd be such a great villain. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's a good villain in Fear Seven. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Game of Thrones, which is basically the show where the villains live and everyone else dies. Yeah. When this season started, I was like. Mm hesitant because I feel like I, I was hearing they're making deviations from the book a lot of people didn't like them it, I felt like they weren't working as, with as much material because they're trying they gotta slow things down because they're pretty caught up with those books mm-hmm. but then those last couple of episodes are just like oh this is why this is one of my favorite if not favorite shows on TV mm-hmm. it's just so devastating but like engaging and just amazing spectacle. Like, it's as good as any movie now. Those dragons look really good now. They, I feel like they didn't look as good in, like, the first season. They look great, and... They're saving all their actor money and spending it on special <laughs> yeah. effects instead. and they have these great wars, and, I mean, we're how many seasons in now? Four? Is this five, maybe? Five. Well, I mean, we're pretty into these characters and attached to these characters, so when shit goes down, you feel it, and the internet feels it. Mm-hmm. And the internet mourned the great loss, but I mean, we'll see what happens. First, George R. R. Martin's got to f- finish his goddamn books on his 80-year-old computer. <laughs> see the yeah. computer he writes those on? Yeah. It's well, those black screens with the green type. He says he does that because he, he's scared of, like, viruses. And he's like, here's a computer that's not connected to the internet. Like, all the programs are stable because they've been running for 30 years. So, I don't know. I guess he trusts it. I, I assume he has some sort of failsafe. Yeah, no. He's, I trust him. I like George R. Martin. He seems like a pretty nice guy. He's got a lovely life journal. I feel I feel bad for him though because like he started writing these books like in the nineties and like he could just write them whenever. But now people are like, you got fucking finish. I right? got <laughs> fucking TV show, old man. And the rumor I heard was the way the the way that this the the finale of this season was a little more cliffhangery. Things were a little more ambiguous about who might be dead and who might have lived. Uh, was that because? Like the next book isn't out yet, he might change his mind about how he wants to go with the plot, and so just in case they wanted to be able to kill or unkill any of those characters, so I like that kind of sucks that they had to do it like that. But um, season six will be interesting because they, as far as I know, they are out of material. It's it's all like what what George says is the story is the story. So. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here, and I know a lot of people gave up on the show this season, if not for the plot stuff, for, uh, you know, the rape scene, or uh, the one person who got burned to death. How bad the sand snakes were. It turned out pretty bad. Yeah, long. those are, the, uh, that was, that was a hor- like, the whole trip to Dorne was just a waste of time, except it brought back one of the coolest actors from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> That's all we wanted, really. <laughs> I haven't seen that guy in a while. Which guy is that? The guy in the wheelchair. He's, uh... He's the doctor. Julian Bashir. Alexander Siddig is the actor's name. Okay. Yeah, that guy's cool. I did not know that. Anyway, I forget what point I was making. Game of Thrones... <laughs> I, you know, Game of Thrones is... Oh, I, I know it was. It was the, this is a dark universe where horrible shit happens. And I don't know why people are shocked by that. In season five, it's like turning turning on girls and being like, I can't believe that this this woman got naked. Like, what the hell is this? It's like, yeah, maybe that was a conversation we could have had in season one or two, or maybe even three. But 
This is par for the course now, and I don't know why you're so surprised. Yeah. What about Justified? It ended. For reasons. reasons. What's that? Six, I think? I was going to say six, too, so let's let's go with six. That's a, that's a good length, I think, for any dramatic TV show. I've only seen the first episode. Can I watch the first episode and the last episode and I'll be okay? You might see some things that we didn't pick up on. Having Maybe. watched all that plot in between. I feel like there's probably some symmetry to the first and last episode. It's a little circuital. Yes. Just yes. Like Beast Wars. Just, Just like, like Beast Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the thing with this last season was sort of like at the beginning of it, I was like, I don't know. I don't know about this show. Because... <laughs> I think the thing that got me into it was Raylan Givens being just a badass and shooting guys and <laughs> like his fellow marshals just being like this guy's so shitty but you know we gotta have him it gets results yeah but like by the time of this season he kind of mellowed out a bit he kind of grown and <laughs> learned to do things the right way become a better man I but guess. of course it was too late that he had learned that that's a like, he already had lost his job, basically. Yeah. That was the one disappointing thing, was the, the previous season was so much about Art feeling so betrayed by Raylan and kind of hating him. And I feel like they kind of just made it so they're friends again, because that's what you wanted to see in the final season. Pretty much. They had bigger fish to fry. Yeah. They had to take on Sam Elliott. And Mustacheless Sam Elliott. Yeah, looks kind of weird, but you know, it's just cool having him there on that show. Yeah. That was a show that needed to have Sam Elliott at some point. <laughs> <laughs> like, I even I remember reading an interview where uh, Timothy Oliphant was like, yeah, "It's kind of weird having him on this show because, like, I've literally just been doing Sam Elliott the whole time <laughs> I've done this character, so I'm kind of afraid he's gonna <laughs> turn on me and realize I've been ripping him off." But. I don't know. There was plenty of good action in the, in this last season. Like pretty much every main character who dies gets a pretty cool death. <laughs> mhm. Mm mhm. Mm uh, even like the minor characters who like finally they died, it still feels impactful. Like you might not care too much about well, like Carl, but <laughs> I was all about Carl, so maybe that's a bad example. Which one was Carl? He's the cool bar guy who's like Boyd's number one guy. Oh, yeah. I remember when he showed up on screen, you're like, this guy's legit. Yeah. So I always liked him. He's like, he seemed pretty legit on like all the other henchmen. Because most of those yeah, redneck guys on that show are just like idiots and they don't know what they're doing. They're, they will inevitably get screwed over or killed by Boyd. Yeah, and of course... It's too bad they couldn't get Sam Elliott the season before because they were obviously building to the the final Raylan Boyd conflict, and it made things a little more complicated having a third party involved in that. Yeah. But I guess that was the way it always would have to go down with those guys. And it had Mary Steenburgen, who yeah. also appeared on Orange Is the New Black at least once. I want to see multiple times two episodes. She she'll be back. <laughs> She's be back. Um, yeah, this is just kind of more of the same, I guess. They're not really rocking the boat in the new season of Orange is the New Black. They're just 
you're just enjoying the characters and their flashbacks and some stuff goes down but nothing super crazy yet I'm not finished mm. maybe it'll end super crazy I don't know if it's ever really been that kind of show it's not like Oz or something well there have been some episodes where they did flashbacks and it totally changed the characters I think I complained about that last year yeah I mean people people have died you know it happened but yeah I mean I just like the characters I, there's a great ensemble cast I could just watch them forever it's like one of those shows where I look at like how much time is left I'm like I could keep probably keep watching this for like another hour it's just it's just the writing's so good and the conversations are interesting and I don't know I really like the prison setting for some reason because I, I, I feel like when you limit your like people to like one confined space you really have to you really have to pump up the writing to compensate for not having all these locations and stuff you have to be more creative I think so I think they do a good job and it's always funny too it's like like I, get, I think it's normally like put in the comedy category like award shows isn't it which is so weird because it's they also just very stop dramatic. Those categories, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, like how they had like transparent one for whatever what was that the Golden Globes or something. And that show's yeah, really that's, dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> and like Louis not even a comedy anymore. <laughs> like, but that show's so good we didn't even put it on the list because we don't even have to talk about it anymore. That yeah, show's just yeah. great. We didn't put Mad Men in. Maybe we can save that. Shit. Well, ended. Should we should we save that for end of the year TV podcast? Yeah, it's, it's just something. Not deep things to say too about good. <laughs> too good to be talking about in this stupid best of the year so far. <laughs> uh, but a show that ended that we should at least bring up is Parks and Rec, right? Yeah, is, I forgot. I need to watch it. Amy Poehler's yeah, Power. Watch. I, I didn't really like the first couple of episodes, so I mean, I heard the end's good though because because of the. Uh, the Ron Leslie conflict. Yeah, I, know. yeah, that and a few other things, but yeah, the future stuff. Future <laughs> stuff. I don't like. I don't like that in the show when it jumps ahead. It just wasn't as like a weeds. Like yeah. a weeds. That was terrible. It doesn't really play up that the more it goes on, except for like the last episode where it totally takes everyone into the future. Yeah, it's mostly just about. It's mostly the same show, just with goofy gadgets. For the season. And an occasional joke that it's like, it's too bad that celebrity did that weird thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. I will say that I liked Werner Herzog. Yeah. That was awesome. Like the guy still in the house. I heard a great, like, behind the scenes story of Aubrey Plaza, like, freaking him out. Because <laughs> she's, like, talking about if he, like, believed in ghosts. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. I had an experience. <laughs> he's like, tell me. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. And then he like stormed off. <laughs> Bernard Herzog had a really serious experience with a ghost. He doesn't want to share it. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, this show pretty much ended in a way that I was satisfied with. I didn't cry. I was kind of hoping I'd cry, but I didn't. But I was like, all right. This is good. <laughs> they basically gave us the arc the Simpsons should have had. It was really funny, and then we, we just grew attached to the characters, and then they expanded the cast to the whole town, and then they let us bid a fond farewell to that whole town. Also that episode where it was just like an entire episode of the Johnny Karate Variety Hour with like commercials and stuff, and that, yeah. was, that was pretty fun. And now Chris Pratt is free to take over the world. Maybe. Maybe. 
the Jurassic World. <laughs> We're not talking about it yet, but we will. Yet, Wouldn't oh. that have been a great transition? If only, if only that wasn't the middle of the movies we have to talk about. <laughs> and we have a few more TV shows too, like Silicon Valley. It's just one of my favorite pieces of satire on on a TV and the jabs it takes at the tech world. I think one of my favorite things about this season was the addition of what was his name, Russ Hanneman. Yeah. As this douchebag billionaire who's just like the worst person. Oh, the other's like, yeah, that tells all these inappropriate jokes. There's, I like that scene where he first like meets all the guys, and what does he call Kamal and Gianni? He calls him like Al Qaeda or something. <laughs> He's like, I'm just diffusing the tension. Like, what tension? <laughs> He's just like crazy to, uh, to Jared uh, Zach Woods character. He's always just like, this guy fucks. <laughs> this dude, this guy fucks. He's <laughs> like, oh, that's nice of you to say. <laughs> I, I love how that comes back in the finale too. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know if everyone's seen the finale. And there's there's that moment where like he buys that car and he puts the bow on it, and he thinks, they think it's going to be a gift for them. He's like, no, this is for me. <laughs> celebrate him getting his maybe getting his billion. His third uh, comma back. He's obsessed with commas. Oh, God. And then there's that point where they're trying to... Um, they're getting all that footage from that porn site. And he, like, puts down a bottle of tequila on the delete key so they delete, like, half of their inventory. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm sad because it doesn't seem like he'd come back because it seems like they don't need him anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they really need him. I think he was good as just a one-off, one-season character. I guess I did, like I hated him too at the same time. Yeah. It was so funny. One thing about Silicon Valley that I wish I'd seen at the in the end is, I feel like every episode is them just like digging a deeper hole for themselves. Like you think they're going to succeed, but then like all this shit rains down on whether it's a lawsuit or some technical thing or whatever. And I feel like it just never seems to get any better. But, I mean, I guess that's good because you want it to be an uphill battle because if they succeed too much and you don't want them to get too... I don't want them to be rich. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to relate to this struggle. With you want to relate to them for as long as you can. Like, you think there might be a point where on that show where maybe they get a big company or something, but then it wouldn't be as good, so... Mm-hmm. You know. Where it is right now, I do. I, I like. And I think they, they... I'm amazed that they managed to work past the... Uh, uh, the death of the Peter Peter Gregory, like I was, I was afraid the show would be kind of weird after that. Yeah, I think it's it just a bummer. I thought like, that episode was kind of weird, right? I did like the joke about them explaining his death because they were so vague that you still don't know what happened to mm-hmm. him. He went on like this he, uh, safari, and there's uh, was like a a hippo, and he just he, the hippo got him. Was like, no, no, he, just, he hadn't <laughs> run in so long. He was like. You don't really know what happened to him. It was a bummer, though. It, yeah. did, it did feel sad. And uh, the the other complaint I had about the season was I felt like they did set up some new characters and then didn't really explore them. Like, uh, I think her name was Carla, the new programmer lady that they hired. She and then they just kind of fired her off screen and didn't bring her back. Good point, yeah. Uh, and the Peter Gregory replacement lady who is, like, so stiff and... <laughs> unsympathetic towards humans uh, seemed like a, a great character and they didn't really explore at all especially uh, in the finale they said that there was like a big meeting with uh, with Russ Hanneman which I would have liked to see those two characters right, play off right. each other but they they just I, I mean and maybe it's fine for a show to just keep its focus on its main characters I mean, 
just not and not expand the cast. Maybe that's a, a perfectly fine approach. But uh, you know, I guess maybe it's that How I Met Your Mother thing of they accidentally developed great characters, and as an audience member, I wanted to spend more time with them. I would have liked to see more of they brought in that guy from Mulholland Drive, who you know that actor with the big eyebrows. Yeah, he got yeah. punched by Don Draper. In yeah, one he Mad did. Men episode, yeah. <laughs> and he was just so like. There's like that story. It happens off screen. They're talking about him like being hired back to be the head of their whatever division that mm-hmm. was at at the company, and then like talking about how fast, XYZ. like that, how he like just left in like under ten minutes. <laughs> and I just love what's going on like over there with Big Head, like he's like making a potato cannon. <laughs> That's his best achievement. And then they're talking. Well, they're talking about like some device or some technology. But like they hadn't actually made it yet. But they're talking yeah. about like, no, <laughs> that exists. Like you can think it, and it types it on the screen. It it's it's amazing. It's like, well, we haven't made it yet. But, but it could be made within our lifetime. <laughs> we believe. That's good. Funny stuff. Just like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Very funny. Yeah. So it's basically blast from the past. The show. Yeah, but better. But if, better. If, if that was possible, I know. Didn't, <laughs> well, didn't think it could happen. Didn't make a lot of warm Dr Pepper jokes. So, well, I guess we'll flip a coin to decide which one's better. We'll let <laughs> we'll let the Lord decide which is the superior product. Oh Lord! It's <laughs> uh, best at deciding these things. But I love it, like, for all the reasons of 30 Rock. It very much just feels like 30 Rock again. Mm-hmm. Great characters. Jokes that happen so fast that I have to watch it a couple times to really let them sink in. Like, it's so quotable and so funny. And I love uh, Titus Andromeda so much. Yeah. He's my favorite character. <laughs> I love Pinot Noir. <laughs> And, of course, John Hampshire. What a treat that is whenever he gets to flex his comedy muscles. Mm-hmm. That, Only one book I've ever read. Good book. The Andromeda Strip. <laughs> 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 or, like, there's a time, like, we're in the, the courtroom, you see, like, someone drawing, like, like, a picture of the courtroom, and it's, like, him. He's, like, drawing it. <laughs> he's just so eccentric. That, that Those last couple episodes with the trial were probably the highlight of the season for me. I did worry at times that it was a little too eccentric. There's, like, not really any character that's grounded. Like, even on 30 Rock, like, Liz Lemon's kind of grounded. Where mm-hmm. I feel like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt doesn't have, like... Like, all the characters are pretty off the wall. I guess... Who's the voice of reason? I guess Titus. Like, sometimes. sometimes. It, d- it depends on... I mean, like, Kimmy they kind of Schmidt, switch off. Kimmy Schmidt's just... She's just naive, basically. Mm-hmm. She's kind of... But, No. Like, it, it can get pretty kooky, but I think it still did a good job of maintaining its quality and everything. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I hope they develop more her, like, study buddy, romantic partner. I like guy. that guy, yeah. He's, he, I like him, but he hasn't had much to do yet. <laughs> He's just been there. He's in a lot of the episodes. We're in that class where all they ever did was watch Major League. <laughs> <laughs> With the legendary Richard Kind. He's <laughs> always good. The ultimate sad sack comedy guy. Or just yeah. dopey and weird. The ultimate. Oh, that's great. And so ends our TV section mm-hmm. as we move on to movies and Marvel again. 
with the, the Avengers wow. Age of Ultron. Mostly put this on here because I'm not too clear on what you guys thought of this movie. I was pretty bored. Colin was pretty bored. I wasn't bored, um, but I was like, I feel like I've seen this before. Like, it felt like really overly familiar. Not a lot of surprises. I like all the characters. I like some of the action. I feel like it was just like nothing specific that they tried that I can really fault. It's just more just the general air of superhero exhaustion that I just can't help but feel when I've never been that into superheroes, even though I like the first Avengers quite a bit. Um, I guess because of the stuff they did with, like, treating those guys as characters, which I didn't get as much of in this one, I felt like it was more just lots of action sequences. There are a few fun scenes I like where it's just these guys hanging out, which I appreciate, because all the actors they chose to play these superheroes I like, but, uh, <laughs> I guess I'd like it more if it was just a movie about these guys hanging out at parties trying to wrangle Thor's hammer out of a stone or them chopping wood at a cabin. Yeah, that party scene was definitely the, the highlight of the movie for me as well. Um... And I guess there's probably a ton of studio pressure because you only get to do an Avengers movie, you know, once every five movies. I think that's right. I think there's been ten so far, two Avengers movies. Okay. Um, so I'm sure they have to be like, you know, these guys only get together every few movies, so you gotta make them fight. Capitalize on everything, make them fight. Maybe make make them fight each other. I mean, that's a weird trend. of both Avengers movies had to have a big fight scene where the characters fight each other. Um, but, I mean, things are going to be crazy when they do that third one. Yeah. I don't know how that'll work. Doesn't it... Did you hear about how there's, like, a lot of studio interference on this last movie? Yeah, like, the the main complaint I heard is people don't like the, like the Thor bath plot, and it sounds like that was something that uh, Joss Whedon totally wanted to cut, but Marvel was like, no, we need that because it'll tie into Thor 3, so... Even though it doesn't seem important, I don't know why. It's not really surprising, though. It's, it's all about protecting the brand yeah. of these movies and extending the brand into as many avenues as possible. I don't mean to get cynical about no, this, because no, it's no, hard it's, not to. It's the truth. And, the, I mean, the number one bummer was like that they don't even put out Scarlett Johansson, or uh, Black Widow toys. Like, they put out action figures for all the other Avengers except for Black Widow. That's fucked up. I don't know what the deal with that is. Because uh, she's a cool character. And they go out of... In every single movie she's in, they go out of their way to show how cool she is. Um, and they just, I guess, think boys don't like that. <laughs> Which sucks. Like, that bums me out more than That and the fact that this experience, like... Ruin Joss Whedon. He doesn't want to do it anymore, and he doesn't want to be involved in other people's universes anymore. That's what he said. He wanted to create his own things now. No more sequels. Because um, I don't think anyone else is as qualified to do an Avengers movie as Joss Whedon. And I like this movie a lot. It had a better action, I think, than the first Avengers movie and every other Marvel movie except for Captain America, The Winter Soldier. A.K.A. the only Marvel movie Colin refuses to see until Ant-Man this summer when Phase 2 finally comes to an end and I can start saving up money to buy that Blu-ray box set which would probably be like 200 I'll say Ant-Man with you, Sean. I kind of want to see Ant-Man. 
I think the trailers make it look fun. I don't know if it's going to be good, but they're doing a good job of making it look kind of different. Yeah. And the fact that they made a point of, like, this is the end of Phase 2, not the Avengers, it has me interested, because I don't know how that's going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how it's going to be tied in. Because the world has basically been attacked twice by things that get in the world. So will that be a part of this? I don't know. Speaking of world-shattering events, Furious 7? Oh my god. Oh my god, you guys. Uh, if only this didn't come out the same year as Mad Max Fury Road, right? Then we could just talk about how great the car combat is and all the great car stunts. <laughs> car combat. It's funny, because that's what they do. Cars <laughs> fight in this movie. Literally. Like, they oh, really? smash I into mean, the, each other. The one time cars fight, it's the stupidest thing They ever. do it twice, they do though. It twice. Really? <laughs> Head on into each other, Jason Statham and Vin Diesel just crashing straight up. No one gets injured even a little bit. <laughs> he just hops out of his car, cracks his neck a little bit, and he's like, "No, I'm ready to fight you." And that's what's he's like, you think this will be a straight fight? <laughs> oh, fight with big pipes. I love like. All the, the, I love the ridiculousness. Yeah, I really got it's on board so... with this series, finally, with this one. Like, I kind of begrudgingly went to Furious 6, because Sean wanted to, and I enjoyed it, but this one, I was just like, alright. I feel like that was kind of America's reaction, or at least smarter America's reaction to this movie, <laughs> where they're like, you know what, these are fun, let's just embrace it, and I'm totally down with that. <laughs> There's definitely a long period of time where... I guess probably around the time of Fast Five where I was like, do they know that these are stupid? Like, are they aware? And it wasn't until this one I'm like, okay, they know exactly what they're doing. I mean, when you have scenes where Kurt Russell brings up a bucket of Corona, it's like, (laughs) they did that as a joke. They know that's funny. They know that's not serious. They know exactly what they're doing. They're doing everything for, like, just for fun. And so I have fun because, you know, I know it's not, they're not trying to manipulate me or they're not putting up some boring Michael Bay melodramatic piece of shit. They're just having fun with crazy effects and mostly good characters. You know, honestly, as much as like Vin Diesel, I'm not really that impressed by his character in this movie. <laughs> I feel like it, the camera always come to him and I feel like he's going to say a one-liner and then he's just like, well, let's go. <laughs> uh, there's, I, I know what you're, I'm picking up on the same thing as you. I think there's like sort of like suicidal aspect to this like he seems depressed and suicidal in this movie and it's weird and if you look at the stunts he's in where it's like I'm gonna smash my car directly into another car I'm just going to drive my car off a cliff and there's not gonna be anything to like cushion the fall I'm just going to drive off the cliff and that'll be my escape like he seems like a dude who wants to die a little bit and and I think maybe you could explain that as like he's having trouble with Letty having come back and how complicated that that's made his life, um, or maybe it's the fact that they had to shoot some of that movie after Paul Walker died in real life, and that got to him. Yeah, I mean, his charisma feels kind of low. Meanwhile, yeah. like in another corner, you have The Rock, who's mm-hmm. barely in it, but his like he's like the most charismatic person like in action movies right now. Definitely, yeah. And I just wish I kind of sometimes wish The Rock was the star of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because he's funny and likable and f- ripping off like guns from helicopters and stuff, and walking down the street with it, and flexing out of casts. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, yeah, from what I remember hearing when the production started was that 
he wasn't even sure he was going to make any time for this movie. Like it sounded like he might have not even been in it, and he was able, they were able to compromise and get him in it, and definitely paid off to have The Rock in that movie. Um, and Jason Statham was the best villain the series has had so far, mm-hmm. even though he's not that great, uh, because he just keeps popping up <laughs> with weird goons, and they mainly just kill the goons. Um, but it still works because Jason Statham and he does a cool fight scene at the beginning and he does a ridiculous fight scene at the end and that's about all you can ask for him anyway right definitely a nice rebuilding year for Jason Statham with him and Spy just being like super funny in that movie because he just plays it so straight because that's all he's capable (laughs) of (laughs) yeah I'm kind of getting behind that guy he's returning to his crank roots (laughs) there's a period of time where he's just making soulless one word throwaway action movies and I feel like he's best when in like something that's like slightly humorous and satirical mm-hmm. yeah because he is funny so he should do more of that more tongue in cheek stuff not serious uh, but like any irony or sarcasm aside there are two stunts in this movie that I will never forget my entire life because they're as ridiculous as I think you can possibly get with cars and that's them parachuting out of the back of a jet with cars like the cars have parachutes and also them driving cars between skyscrapers mm-hmm. that is twice twice <laughs> it, it's so good they're like I don't know, we're gonna do that one more time <laughs> god there's that moment when you're in the theater you're like they're gonna do it again yeah it was so good no <laughs> that was fun to see it with a packed audience yeah, on a packed huge audience. screen you weren't sure how genuine they were but they were having a good time <laughs> yeah it just felt nice to have action set pieces where I feel like you see so many action movies, even ones I like, like Guardians of the Galaxy. I like that movie a lot, but the action in that all is a big blurry mess mm-hmm. of things. I can't really... The only I, action I moment I remember liking from Guardians of the Galaxy is uh, when the one guy crashes and he gets out his magical whistling arrow and he kills all those guys. That's cool. Right. But like in Fear 7, I remember almost all of the action sequences. Like they put a lot of attention to them and they're carefully shot and you have time to take it in and enjoy it. And that's impressive considering like it seems like a movie that seems so dumb on the surface, but they're putting in the work. They're putting in the detail and you know they're making it interesting. So... That's that's harder and harder to find in action movies today. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's nice. It has like fifty starring characters, and they all have cool moments too. <laughs> A delightful film, just like Inside Out. <laughs> Furious Seven's uh, natural double feature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, you go to the drive and you see these. <laughs> so Inside Out is about um, the emotions inside a little girl's head. But it's mainly about, I guess, depression. If you get right down to it, kind it's, of it's, it's kind of explaining how that numbness uh, takes hold of a person and how it can fuck up your balance in your whole life. Uh, but it does that in the form of an action comedy movie starring a bunch of people you know from TV, like Amy Poehler and Bill Hader and Mindy Kaling. And Lewis Black, and Phyllis from The Office, who probably has a last name, but I know her first name is really Phyllis. So it's Phyllis yeah. Smith. I know because I wrote the review earlier today, and I even <laughs> thought about writing Phyllis from The Office plays this character. But I was like, no, I'm going to show her some respect. 
And, you know, it's a Pixar movie, so they were able to great to get great performances out of all those people. And, and, I mean, obviously they got to just choose whoever they wanted for those parts, so they're all perfect for them. Yeah, Amy Poehler's perfect for this part, just because it's like, you have all these characters that kind of represent the more dour feelings. Like, that was kind of the thing I thought about with this movie. It's like, yeah, a lot of emotions we feel like aren't great. Like, Joy is the one pure one. And so you have to have that character sort of override all the other more negative feelings. And Amy Poehler can do that, but without feeling, like, cloying or annoying or, like, she's overdoing it. Like, she always seems genuine. And, uh, yeah, it's like just just the way the movie sort of turns thoughts and emotions and memories into this sort of tactile thing was just great. Like, the, the little memory balls talking about is this like a core memory is this something that can be forgotten the way that we all have those memories that kind of fade away yeah just the way they and how even like accidentally the wrong memories can become yeah we have those little things that we remember for no reason like this gum commercial that keeps coming up in Riley's mind which is that's really funny yeah that's a part of the movie that you you might not expect, which is weird because it's it's hard to say. Like I expect to be touched on a deep emotional level and surprised that the movie's funny. But that's that was kind of what I went in thinking. Like this movie will probably make me sad, like in Toy Story Two when Jesse tells her backstory. It's like also kind of cerebral too. I mean, it would have to be because it takes place in someone's mind, but you wouldn't think it would go to that lengths of <laughs> thinking out these core human thoughts that we all deal with. But I laughed a lot, too, and I think yeah. there's a gag, like the very last gag in the movie. Like I think the credits have started, and they go back, and they do just a few non-sequitur gags. And the, the last one, involving cats, is hilarious. And uh, delightful film that I don't think we can talk about with much more depth without starting to spoil things. To have bloopers. Probably. No. No. You like that? No, I hate that. <laughs> they do the animated bloopers. I think it's stupid because it's phony. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. How does it rank compared to, like, Up? Like, is it that return to form? Kind of? I think it's better I than Up. I like it better than Up. Maybe not as good as, like, Wally or... What are the other good ones? The stories. Incredibles. Yeah, it's yeah, not as good as Toy Stories. I'd say it's about as good it's as Ratatouille. There. It's up there. So it's like them at their yeah, top. Of what, you know they what? They best. showed a trailer for the Good Dinosaur, and I was not feeling that trailer. I that I hope that they. I mean, there's not that much. In yeah. the Though I know one thing we've talked about a lot is like Pixar's at their best when they're really high concepts. When they're thinking about stuff that we kind of think about sometimes, like what if our toys did come to life, or what if monsters were real? But then they do stuff like Brave, where it's like. Well, this is just, just kind of like lesser DreamWorks, where you look at <laughs> the good dinosaur, and you hear the premise, like, what if the dinosaurs had never had never died? But, like, I'm not sure what they're going to do with that. They're what not making it. Make? What difference does it make? It's still, like, it's not like they're driving around in cars. Like, it's still, like, it looks like old times. So, it doesn't sound, like, super, like, crazy or, or, or like, unique yet. But, I mean, I'll give it time. Yeah. We'll see. It's hard to say with that movie because didn't they fire everybody and start over? Like, didn't they change the director and the cast? They may have. I don't remember. So, who knows? It might be a giant roaring mess, just like Jurassic World. But boom! I like Jurassic World, even though 
the, every time I talk about it, I think about more and more huge mis- like I don't know if mistakes, just like huge things that don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't mind those so much because I just had such a good time in terms of just ridiculous uh, set pieces and effects and seeing the park in action. And I'll admit, yeah, it would have been cool to see more of that. That, that was my absolutely my favorite part. I was so on board. And I, at, at first I was like, oh, man, like, I don't, could they really do a whole movie by a theme park? I'm like, well, that's what Westworld is. That's a pretty good movie. So you could. <laughs> you could have done that. Um, and I, I think I would have rather seen it through, like, the eyes of, like, people visiting Jurassic World, like, the whole experience, than seeing behind the scenes and getting everything explained. I know a lot of people hated the kids. I, was actually, I actually was totally fine with I was with fine kids. with the kids. Even though a lot of the decisions didn't make sense. Like, hey, let's go into this, like, part. Yeah. yeah that, like, so, I, I can just start listing things that don't make sense. Yeah. So, gyrospheres. So, like, even when there's a huge emergency, they don't, like, get called just back. Just free reign. And you go past the fence and you just keep going. Like, how can there even be a ride where you can just drive yourself? That seems incredibly dangerous. Even the stuff that I think is, like, really cool, like, that ends when the uh, Indominus Rex gets attacked by the Mosasaurus, like, what is stopping that thing from doing that at any given time at any point <laughs> of the day? It's not like it broke down part of it and it, oh, now it can, like, leap out. Like, it could always leap out. Just be eating people it's just be eating the time. all the time. <laughs> It does seem like they had a very good, like, evacuation plan. There's, like, so many, like, huge, like, problems with it. And I also admit, I feel like, Sean, maybe you touched on, like, it's, like, oddly depressing, kind of. And, like, the dinosaurs being killed and people being killed. And it just doesn't seem fair to yeah. anyone. <laughs> that was my fundamental problem with this movie. Um, because someone else pointed out a few months ago that in the first three Jurassic Park movies, the only time a human being kills a dinosaur is when Malcolm's stupid daughter kicks that velociraptor out the window and it gets impaled. And even there, you know, she's trying to stop it. She's not necessarily trying to kill it. And then they made a movie that is literally all about trying to kill a dinosaur. And that goes, to me, I feel like that goes against what the whole franchise stands for. Because I wouldn't say... Maybe the Velociraptors in the first movie are the villain, but the T-Rex certainly is the villain. I mean, some people say that's the hero of the whole damn movie. And, and this, the second one, the villains are definitely the human beings. And the third one, they're just idiots in a stupid movie. But Jurassic World, it's like, we've got to kill this thing. And that just feels wrong to me in this movie. And I don't. And you made a good point that they tried to do everything else that they possibly could, but it's still... Like, it's still a movie. They were still writing a plot, and it just didn't sit well with me. Well, the ball was in their court to do anything they wanted to do, and they chose to kill dinosaurs. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and uh, especially the scene where they go out and they're shooting all the pterodons just out of the sky. Yeah. Didn't that feel fucked up to you? It kind of felt fucked up. Even though Jimmy Buffett's running away with his margaritas? It's funny when I saw it, I was like, what? Is that... No, that can't be. That's ridiculous. And then I found it later. It's like, it was? That's yeah. Jimmy Buffett running around? <laughs> Okay. Hmm. I didn't know that. <laughs> There's like this guy that really... I know, like, I remember it specifically because it's like, why are they focus on this guy with his margaritas? That's weird. Okay. Now I get it. Thanks for clarifying, even though that did not need to yeah. be clarified. I could have lived without that information. This movie also, for me, contained one of the like quickest transitions from heartfelt to hilarious with Chris Pratt is kind of sharing a moment with one of his raptors, and then it gets blown up by a rocket launcher. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, so there's just some dude out in the dark just like randomly firing his rocket launcher. 
And it's like a perfect shot and just blows up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's it's so... I think that one comes back later. Yeah, it's so, like, over-the-top and crazy, but, like, I don't know. I mean, even if it's not, like, in the spirit of the original movies, like, I, I kind of had a lot more fun than that. I, not all some of it was weird fun, but I had a lot, a lot of like more fun than like the last two Jurassic Parks. Like hmm. second one to me is like really long and kind of slow. That third one's okay. It just it, it's just not really about anything. This one I felt like there's a lot of things that are admirable. They just didn't like really know how to handle them and take them in the right directions. Like they had the seedlings of good ideas, and I appreciated that. I appreciated that it was about them trying to get the park up and running, and some of that was pretty cool. And, like, I was following Colin Trevorrow, like, on Twitter, like, through the whole, like, process. And he seemed like he was having, like, a blast. And who knows how much he really had, like, towards influencing the movie and how much the studio would push in. Who knows, really? I feel like his heart was in it. Um, it's just, it's kind of a hard movie to make. Yeah. Um, so they were, they were close in some aspects. And, you know, they, I don't know if they were able to ever, like, just throw away the old scripts. Because there were a lot of credited writers on this movie. And I know some of the ideas, like weaponized dinosaurs, were, were things that have been part of this pitch for like the better part of a decade. So maybe, since this is making a ton of money, they'll probably get these people back to do another one. And maybe with a cleaner, you know, three-year production cycle, it'll actually be a better movie. I feel like it's going to be even harder to do another Jurassic Park movie now. I think the next one is bound to be worse I don't know. I don't know where you go from here. Just companies buying up, like, dinosaurs and making their own dinosaurs. Yeah, that's true. Dinosaur wars, basically. <laughs> D-war. Kind of, it'll be like Metal Gear, like, Solid 4, how, like, companies, like, have, like, armies and stuff. But they'll have, like, raptor armies. Uh, not dinosaurs. <laughs> it's the Microsoft Raptors! <laughs> Did it bother you that Chris Pratt was basically Indiana Jones? Like, totally awesome guy who's always right and doesn't actually develop as a character. He just keeps being right the whole time. I thought he was going to be, like, horrible, but, like, I thought he was still kind of entertaining, even though a lot of other characters were bad. Except for the legendary Vincent Duke. (laughs) I just liked how they're both doing the same, like, generic American army guy accent. What's going on here? (laughs) I got orders from above that says you can't do this. What kind of dinosaur they cook up in that lab? Exactly. Get you your belt and put your hands on your hips. That's, that's Can you believe type. they made a dinosaur? <laughs> they don't go quite that far. It's like <laughs> not quite. Start Jim it's not quite southern, but it's like we're from America. America. Yeah, that's it. it's an American accent. Not region specific. Hopefully, the next one has rednecks fighting dead. <laughs> Finally, that'll be fun. Want to talk about Mad Max? Yeah, I feel like I don't have the energy to talk about the insanity of Mad Max. It's kind of exhausting watching that movie. Just like so much, so much action, so much, yeah, insanity. That was the delight of watching it. Like you think, you go into it thinking, I, "I know what I'm getting into. I'm getting into a big action movie. I've seen the trailer." And then you realize that trailer is just like the first twenty, thirty minutes of the movie, and then the rest of the movie is still almost entirely action. That's just as intense, if not more intense than that. It's it's nuts. Um, the the delight for me was watching the VR sizzle reel 
or not VR, VFX, the computer the virtual FX. reality. Yeah, the virtual reality. I was like, I was flying through it. Virtual reality. Because so often when you watch these, um, you realize, oh, that scene where I thought they were on a set, that was just actors on a green screen, and then they painted in, even though it's like a, just like a city street. For some reason, they couldn't just film it there. But with Mad Max, it was like, no, they really filmed cars, like, flipping and exploding and stuff, but they had to kind of paint in some, like, canyon stuff in the background. <laughs> it's, like, everything that should be so dangerous that you couldn't do practically, they did in this movie. <laughs> like, watching this movie along with all of the other Mad Max movies, I'm just like, someone must have died on this <laughs> set, right? Like, there had to be at least one or two people. <laughs> I, my, I think one of my favorite behind-the-scenes stories uh, about this one was, like, Tom Hardy's son was talking to George Miller and is concerning a scene where Tom Hardy had to, like, have his head dangling upside down, like, towards the ground as a car was moving. And he's like, what if my dad falls? He's like, don't worry, we have, like, some hooks keeping him up. I was like, well, what if the hooks break? He's like, well, I guess he'd go under the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, he didn't, it's like, if they break, he's gonna die, I guess. <laughs> it is like, that's probably been his attitude through all these movies. Like, fucking well, awesome. if we mess this up, I guess he's dead. <laughs> so let's not mess it up. Like, I know that sounds reckless, but I think directors should take certain kinds of risks. To, like, that's what makes filmmaking exciting when you're out there on the edge. Like, die for pushing your the art. boundaries. Yeah. yeah. And he's, like, pushing the boundaries in all sorts of ways. Like, he's, he's making, like, strong, like female characters too like even that was surprising like Charlize yeah. Theron's basically the main character basically, in this movie it's not Mad Max like he sought out the writer of the vagina monologues just like for guidance to make sure that he did great like female characters and it's it's, it's refreshing in a movie in a movie like this like you don't see that in a lot of kind of action yeah I guess movies. we should say if you haven't seen the movie the plot is um, a group of women escape you know it's the Mad Max universe it's after some sort of horrific apocalypse basically the whole world's a wasteland and this group of women escape from this uh, c- compound. I don't know what you would call that that situation that they were living in. Dictatorship. I don't know. Yeah, with this evil, evil like Darth Vader guy. He's basically Darth Vader <laughs> and Bane. <laughs> yeah, if you can imagine the cross between those two. Bane, Bane. Even though Tom Hardy's in this. Uh, no, he's like Bane's dad. And they, they team up with Max because he's trying to escape from them too. And they're just like literally just driving away from bad guys for a long time for basically the duration of the movie. <laughs> and they're fighting them and people are like jumping between cars. And I mean, and first of all, all the cars are like crazy. Just like souped up dune buggies with spikes. And There's one that fire. has a guitar dude on it. Yeah. <laughs> a, 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 giant speakers and a guitar that shoots fire out of it. <laughs> And he, that guy's just, like, along for the ride the whole time. doesn't go away. <laughs> it's an integral character. Um, and, yeah, Furiosa is the the driver who is helping these other women escape. And she's played by Charlize Theron. And she's awesome. She's just a badass killing machine. I love there's a scene where they're trying to, like, snipe a dude. And Max keeps missing. And she's just like, oh, God, let me let me take the shot, man. Let me take the shot. Like, you can see it back there. Like, she doesn't want to say anything because uh-huh. Max is being a helpful guy. But she's like, okay, I could do this. And he gives her the sniper rifle, and she totally just nails the dude. That's awesome. She's a way better hero than Max. Max yeah. is kind of a dick. That's kind of one of the things I've always liked about Max in the movies. He's kind of in it for him. Like, after his family dies, he's kind of in it for himself. Like, there's times where he, like, abandoned people, but... 
Then you then you get those clips. Well, he's a good person, but he's kind of a jerk. I get the impression that like he's out there alone for so long between movies, he just goes crazy, and like, they have to bring him back down to sanity. And then he's like, "No, I'm gonna go back and be crazy, so I can make another movie." So watching all the movies like we did, how do you feel it compares to the other ones? I think it's the best one. It's probably the best one. I want. I still want to say Road Warrior because it's like simp- It's so. It's even simpler. Mm-hmm. But this one's mm-hmm. probably the best one. It's definitely better than the first one and the third one. Definitely. Third one being a huge mess, and the first one just being like weirdly experimental and yeah, how it was made. Almost <laughs> student film like. Yeah, that's kind of what I find a little charming about it. Yeah. Sort of like the first Evil Dead movie where that's they're just like, comparison. we don't exactly know how to make a movie, but we're just going to fucking do it anyways and do it in a really extreme way with all these crazy practical car stunts. Mm-hmm. And even though this one feels like it's made by someone who's very experienced, like it still feels really like fresh and exciting and they're still like trying new things and everything. It's not... It's probably just because he hadn't done a movie like this in 20 years. So he, he hadn't had... even done like a live action movie yeah, <laughs> since the mid-90s. juices were recharged. He was ready to do it. And the guy who plays Beast in the new X-Men movies is in this too and he's surprisingly good he as a crazy Holt. guy. I mean, Charlie Starring will be in another movie coming out. Really? The next movie, uh, the movie based off of Gillian Flynn's book, Dark Places. Watch the trailer for today. Looks cool. More on that later. Okay. Later this summer. Thanks for the Ooh. scoop. <laughs> but we're not quite done yet. Uh, we just talked about Australia. We have to travel a small distance over to New Zealand to talk about what we do in the shadows. Uh, do you still call it a mockumentary when it's an obviously fake subject? Like yes. vampires? Yes, yeah. yeah. So this is a mockumentary movie about a group of vampires living in a house together in New Zealand as they get... Am I, am I getting this wrong? No, it's just I start smiling every time I think about their... <laughs> their you shake your their, head like, no, 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 Sean. <laughs> no, I think about it like... What movie did I see? <laughs> It's just every time I think about their fourth roommate, the guy that looks exactly like Nosferatu, he's terrifying. Like every time he shows up, I can't help but laugh. I just think that's really funny. Yeah, um, it's the funniest movie that's come out this year. It's hands down. Yeah, I really like it. It's a great comedy, just because it's not bloated at all. It's like eighty-five minutes or something, and there's. Very little plot, but it's just super funny, and the characters are well-developed. Um, I was surprised how good uh, Taika Waititi was, because I'd never seen him act in a movie. He's yeah. mostly a director-type guy, and uh, he's even got like this like long-lost love relationship where yeah. usually in movies like this they'll play it just for laugh like oh this young guy's into this super old chick but it's kind of a sweetness to it that mm-hmm. I liked mm-hmm. um, and uh oh, Rice Darby's in it which is really fun the as the leader of yeah. the werewolves <laughs> werewolves not swearwolves is one of the great lines from this year I think <laughs> it's a weird thing to be hung up about <laughs> That's like the amazing thing about this movie is that it's so funny with subjects like vampires and werewolves, which like we yeah. Be so exhausted. what I heard about the premise for this movie is like mockumentary about vampires. Like, how could I possibly give a fuck about that? But I guess it's because they haven't really done a good vampire parody yet. Like, people haven't really tried. I guess just because people have been so exhausted by it. You didn't like Dracula Dead and Loving It. 
don't remember it. <laughs> so, so no, it, it's basically one of the worst movies I've ever made. Okay. So you're in the clear. <laughs> yeah. So, surprisingly, a lot of comedic material to mine. Well, and yeah, they, they work on all these vampire myths that you might not be aware of. And they mm-hmm. also make every character sort of a vampire archetype yeah. and are able to kind of deconstruct the myth behind them in funny ways. Like, Jermaine Clement is the, like, seductive, but also, like, you ultimate shape killer shift. guy. There's that scene where he's just, like, his face is on a cat's face for some reason. Because <laughs> he's not good at shape-shifting anywhere. He's, like, it's like an impotency thing. So everything is him with his face. Yeah, it's it's great. I'm so excited. I still haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? No. It's weird. It feels like the kind of movie I'd be telling you guys about. It'll be on Netflix soon. Of course. I'm going to see it and I'm going to love it. I was was following it for a long time before it came out and then I somehow missed my window. But I'm super excited. I'd watch it again. Yeah, probably. So, that, I think, is it. Unless anyone has any secret last-minute additions. Oh, what's our worst? (laughs) Out of all these? probably Jurassic World, right? Probably. I mean, I can't speak for catfish. Oh, it's definitely <laughs> catfish. Okay. But but it's disqualified because I won't have seen it since Jurassic World. Okay. I still like it though. Maybe it'll show up in the mildly pleased awards. It's possible. Depends on what Nate thinks. I'm sure he thought it was okay. He's like, it's fine. It's I mean, fine. Who gives like, a shit? Yeah. It's like I. It's just dinosaurs. Like that's what I want. <laughs> Uh, that's a good dance impression. <laughs> I miss that guy. I hope he gets out of prison soon. Um, so I hope you enjoyed our little preview of the top tens that we'll be doing. Um, wow! I guess in January of 2016. Um, well, think of this like a little bit of homework. Like, if you haven't checked out these things, we definitely think you should. Except for maybe Catfish and Jurassic World. And I know you already played Monument Valley because you're a cool guy who, or girl, uh, who has an iPhone and is going to turn that iPhone onto the podcast app and subscribe to Mildly Pleased, where you can listen to more episodes of Top Ten Thursdays, as well as our other shows like Pitching Tents and Stream Police. Um, and then you'll open up Safari and go to mildlyplease.com, which is our website, where you can read our reviews of some of these things. Not all Quite of them. Quite a few of them, though. But yeah. A good chunk. I think we reviewed all the movies, at least. Yeah. All of them. So, there's that. You can see the star ratings and then rank them in your mind. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will speak to you next time. This is that ice cold Michelle fight for that white gold This one for them hood girls Them good girls straight masterpiece Styling, wildin', Living it up in the city Got Chuck's on with Saint Laurent Gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty I'm too hot, 